Let's pray together. Father, we have gathered in this time. We have gathered as this community because it is you who reign alone. We acknowledge that we are not the answers to our problems. We are not the answers to the world's problems. Father, you, you reign. Creation is singing your praise all around us. And you're stirring our hearts to do the same. Father, teach us what it means that our whole lives be given over entirely, entirely to you. Father, we acknowledge, we declare that it is before you and in you and through you that we find our purpose, we find our identity. Father, thank you for calling us your children and through the work of Jesus Christ made us your own. Father, you are good and your love endures forever over us. And we say thank you. Amen. Some of the headlines that have been dominating all over the world lately look a lot like this. Every once in a while, amidst all the images and all the voices and all the news stories and all the tragedy and all the war, something just sort of cuts through. The story of Alan Curdy has been able to do this in the past week once again. And every time we sort of have these possible answers that we can explore inside of us for how it is that I'm going to deal with these troubling times, these harsh pictures, and how are we going to respond? The next one, please. I put this picture up here in hesitation, not in any effort to shock or disarm, but to bring an awareness to the fact that every time we see these types of things around us in our world, we really do have a certain choice within us. Many of us choose not to watch the news anymore and not to look at and not see what's going on because denial is one of our choices. Sometimes, instead of simply just entering into denial, we've seen so many things around us that we develop a certain form of immunity that doesn't even bother us. We've seen too much. Like people suffering from some sort of cultural post-traumatic stress disorder. But the third option, the option that every follower of Christ must take as we continue to see these things is to allow our hearts to remain soft. And the promises of God and his reconciliation of all things to come to the forefront, to bathe ourselves in truth one more time again and tell us that this is not the way that things are supposed to be. And they are, and they will be made new. Jesus encountered a lot of troubling images and pictures throughout his ministry as well. Horrific things, and one of them is what we encounter in our story today. We pick it up again. We've been working all semester now through the Gospel of Mark, looking at the mighty deeds of Jesus and what it is that he's telling us about himself. And one of the questions now that the reader begins to ask as Jesus encounters different people along the way to the cross is, who will join Jesus on this path? 
Who will fall in line in a path of discipleship behind this rabbi? Who will take up his yoke and say, I, I want to be like you. I want to follow you wherever it is that you will take me. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. In the beginning of this story, we meet a man who has leprosy. And a lot of things are taking place within this story as this man who is, according to Jewish law, required to stay a minimum of 50 paces away from Jesus, has broken the law, he has invaded the space, he has threatened the religious teacher by his uncleanness and entered in. Even in the one story of leprosy healing in the Old Testament where Elisha heals Naaman, his, Naaman's request is just simply that Elisha would wave his hand over it and not actually even come near him or not physically touch him. This man is invading Jesus' space and he has leprosy. I chose not, I looked this up this week, but chose not to show any of the images of what leprosy actually looks like because this is still a disease that happens all around us in the world today. A quarter million people in the world every year still contract leprosy. Currently, three million people in the world today have leprosy. We often think of this as a biblical disease. This is still a modern disease. In fact, it wasn't until 1982 that a cure for leprosy proper, Hansen's disease, was actually even invented. And so this is still happening all around us. This isn't some ancient story. This is still our story. And this man comes down with leprosy, which the technical term in the passage here, lepta, actually refers to 72 different skin afflictions that made somebody unclean. But leprosy proper, Hansen's disease, begins to eat away at nerve endings, causes people to have accidents, they become infected, and it moves through. And of course, in this day and age, they believe that it was contagious. Today we know that actually 95% of the population is naturally immune to leprosy. But they were terrified of it. And so leprosy meant several different things on your life. It wasn't a medical diagnosis. It was much more of a life sentence. There were incredible social implications for anybody who contracted it. Not only did you have all the physical problems taking place and, and limbs being worn down and, and infection and everything else, but you had the social implications where you were cast out. That's what it says in Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be kept unkempt, cover their lower face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have their disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. 
Not only are these people sick, but these people cannot be touched. If you were to come down with leprosy, you are never given a hug ever again. You never experience intimacy ever again. People don't hold your hand. They don't touch you. You become a complete and utter social outcast. So you've got the physical affliction, you've got the social affliction, and you have the religious affliction because everybody believed in that time that you were being punished by God for a sin that you had done or your parents had done. And so now not only were you sick and on the outside and margins of society, but nobody even had compassion for you. It was believed that you were being judged by God. And this is the kind of man that comes forward to Jesus in this passage. The leper. And he begs him. He's lost all dignity. He has nothing left. And he's simply begging before Jesus. But his question is so interesting. If you are willing, you can make me clean. I have never visited a doctor and questioned their willingness to heal me. I question their ability. It's interesting to me that at this point in time in history, nobody actually believed that leprosy was even curable. It was believed that only God himself could cure blindness and leprosy. And so the statement that this man is saying to Jesus, not even questioning his ability but his willingness, is sort of like declaring, you are God. He knows full well who he stands in front of, and it is not Jesus' ability that he asks about. It is his willingness. And not can you heal me, but can you make me clean? Remember we talked last week in everything in Israelite society, you were either clean or unclean. You could go in the temple or you couldn't. And there's two categories of ways of looking at all people at any point in time. This man wants to be clean. He wants to be back in the places of worship. He wants to be back with family. He wants to be reinstituted to society. He wants to be reconciled in all the ways beyond just simply a physical healing of his leprosy. I want to be clean, Jesus. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was. Perhaps what's the most fascinating part of this entire passage, though, is the implications, of course, for the same question about ability and willingness that we must answer as well. If we're going to spend an entire semester studying the mighty deeds of Jesus and what it means for him to exercise healing in the world, and if you and I are called to go into the world and to be his mouthpiece and to be his hands and his feet and to exercise the healing of the nations in Jesus' name, so often when we talk about miracles or the ability to create healing, the question within the Christian community is, who has the ability or the gifting or the anointing to do this? But there is so much of the healing that needs to take place in this world that you and I have been called to that has nothing to do with our ability. It has to do with our willingness. You know how much it costs to cure somebody of leprosy today? 40 bucks. There are still people in the world who have leprosy and all it takes is $40. We've already found the cure. This is not a question about humanity's ability. It is a question about the body of Christ's willingness to exercise the healing hand of Christ. We have been given such amazing gifts and you have the opportunity in an education to enter into what it means to use our minds and to learn about God and his creation and we are moving forward as creation unfolds before us and as God says, co-create with me, unfold creation with me. We will shape culture. We will unfold and unpack all the things that come forth from the earth and you will do this. 
And so much of what we have the ability to do as Christians comes much more down to our willingness and not our ability. Jesus himself was indignant when this man asks him the question, because the man invaded his 50 paces? Because the man interrupted his preaching? Because he questioned Jesus' willingness? I think Jesus is angry and indignant in this passage because the Son of God is hurt and on the outside still looking in. And so in compassion, Jesus is the only person in Mark's gospel who has compassion. The Old Testament God, Father, has compassion on his children. And anyone who wants to look like this rabbi must have compassion, not grow in immunity to the things that are wrong in this world, not hide out on our own, not pretend that they don't exist, but have compassion to suffer with, the literal definition, calm passion, suffer with. Will you enter into the place? Will you forsake goals and dreams of greediness and ambition, of material wealth for the things that truly matter? These are the questions that Jesus is asking us through these pages still. Will you trade places? That's what happens at the end of the text, isn't it? This man is restored back to society, and it says, Mark is very particular about this, that Jesus is now left out in lonely places. Jesus very willingly knew exactly what would happen, and he said, I will take it upon myself, and I will trade with you places. And so I ask you today, who are the lepers in our society now? Who are we called to reach out to that it might cost us our social reputation? Maybe the favor even of the religious elite of our time. People might mistake you for being unclean if you went into that neighborhood. If you associated with those people. What do we do inside of our hearts when the stories of Ashley Madison and Christian leaders and everything else come forward and we see once again just how dark and broken we all are? Do we look with scorn and stand at a distance? Or will we be like Jesus, willing to enter in and say, I will even trade places with you, whatever it takes to enter in to see you restored. I will not leave you at a distance, even if it means making myself unclean, risking my reputation, because this is not a question of our ability, brothers and sisters. It is a question of our willingness. The great faux pas in American Christian society today is our interaction with the gay community. Here again, I ask you the question, restoration, relationship, fellowship, are these really questions of our ability or are they questions of our willingness? And the same still holds true even at the problems at a global level. If you can go to the next image. Another Syrian refugee reaching out. We are, this is the greatest refugee crisis since World War II. 12 million different people displaced, near four, nearly 4 million outside of Syria, and another 8 within its borders. 12 million image bearers of our God, brothers and sisters. What will we do? How will we respond? There are so many of the world's problems today, be it clean drinking water, be it the redistribution of wealth so that people can eat, the access to education. Jesus is not asking of us to perform miracles. He's just asking if we're willing. The solution to so many of these global issues aren't miraculous. They're just a question of whether you and I are willing. 
Are we willing to create space? Are we willing to sacrifice something in our own ambitions? Are we willing to scale back our dreams and visions of the car you want to buy or the home you want to live in? What do you want to dream about in this world? Will you share the dream of this rabbi who wants to see people restored when it all comes down to not our ability but our willingness? Will we scale back our own desires? Will we enter into a place of voluntary simplicity? Will we risk our reputations Will we risk things to our own personal stakes if it means that somebody else gets restored? Richard Stearns, the leader of World Vision, is challenging the Christian community globally right now, saying, what if, what if this is actually the greatest evangelistic moment in the history of the church in the Middle East? What if while Islamic extremists are killing other Muslim children, Christians came in and fed them? What if Christians entered in through the love, with the love of Christ that is already within us? Could this be, could we be standing upon the possibility not of an Arab spring, but of a great conversion and a movement towards Christ because the love of Christ is so powerful, it doesn't even cause you to be miraculous. It just asks if you are willing. Consider the opportunities that are before us. We were challenged on Monday. Matthew Sorens told us in his first Monday lecture talking about what it means for a community to be willing to to accept and, and to love and to unfold the immigrant, the foreigner, the one that we do not know, the one that we are called to love as ourself, even though they may live on the other side of our world. Part of his organization founded this website, a movement going on. I would encourage you to take a look at this because it presents options that you and I can do, not even questioning our ability, but simply our willingness to enter into how we can be a part of solving a crisis that exists for 12 million people. And they all have faces and they all have names like little Alan Curdy. One of my favorite things about Matthew's talk on Monday was the story that he ended with where he had enfolded this Somali um, couple and this, this family, and then through it, they ended up praying for him, unbeknownst to him, and he realizes at the end of the day that he is the greatest recipient of this blessing because here, brothers and sisters, is what our God does. He will never ask you to do something if it is not for your own blessing. He will never ask you to sacrifice if it does not mean also sharing in his resurrection. We are called to participate in the sufferings of our Christ so we may also participate in the new life that he brings. And at the outset, every hard choice you and I will ever make, career-wise, financially, sacrificially, time, another place at your table for the neighbor, whoever it is that God is stirring you to move and exercise compassion toward, All of these things at the beginning always look like a sacrifice or hurt on our part. But our God has designed the movement of all of this that sacrifice translates into resurrection and we cannot experience the moment that Matthew and his wife got to talk about with this new life being given to them if it wasn't for entering into this relationship. That's how he described it. What are we missing out on because we are not loving our neighbors ourselves? What are you and I denying ourselves our own opportunity to see with our own eyes the miraculous and the healing of the world? A leading voice in our time, Ann Voskamp, and a big proponent of this website, says it like this. Now, now is the time for the church to be the church. In the past, the church may have been defined by what the church is against. 
But in this defining moment in history, may the church be clearly defined by what it is for. And the church has always been for the stranger, the sojourner, and the welcoming arms of the Savior. How can we not move heaven and earth to let the broken in when heaven moved and came to earth to let us in? What if the greatest solution to the greatest crises of our time will have nothing to do with your ability, but everything to do with our willingness? These are the type of people that Jesus is looking who will come behind him and take up his yoke. How much of the kingdom breaking in do we really want to see? Let's pray together. Father, the challenge of your word before us is strong. And Father, sometimes even our eyes of faith can't see beyond our own self-protection as we worry and stress about the things in our life. Father, will you move within us showing us that you and your heart that even a movement of gratitude within us for what we have and a willingness to share has the ability to change culture, to change the world. Because your plan was nothing short of this. And you keep choosing us through which you want this to happen. Father, may we see your instructions and your strong calls upon our lives and the promptings of your spirit the hard choices that you ask us to make about what we will make our lives all about. Fathers, we stand on the front of them and are so afraid. Will you give us the courage to know that you will never take us to where we don't also share in your life and in your blessing and in the healing of the nations. Father, empower this body and embolden these dreams through the work of your Spirit Cause us to be great dreamers of what it is that we can do when your love flows through us and we offer ourselves up in willingness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you please rise? Brothers and sisters of the great and powerful and risen Jesus Christ, Now that you have stood, may you never sit again. May you never be backed onto your heels, and may you lean forward, leaning further and further into his love and further and further into the darkness, for the light within you is great. And our world is pleading you. Will you in willingness and in the empowerment of our God bring healing to this world? Amen.